0: Prepare for a whole new sporting experience. This is Sports Planet. It is no small feat to be regarded by analysts, coaches, journalists and past and present players as the greatest tennis player of all time. And that is the untouchable pedestal on which Roger Federer is placed. At his peak, Federer dominated the game and has 19 Grand Slam tournament titles more than any other men's singles player. He's also the first men's singles player to have reached 10 consecutive Grand Slam tournament finals and a total of 29 Grand Slam finals. He also spent a record 302 weeks at the top of the ATP rankings more than any other player. In fact, if Federer never plays another tennis match in his life, his legacy as the greatest male tennis player is secure. But the Swiss maestro continues to confound critics and fans alike, as he won the men's singles title at Wimbledon on Sunday, creating more history in the process. Welcome to Sports Planet, your premium news and magazine sports show. Today on the show, we'll be hearing from new Wimbledon men's singles champion, Switzerland's evergreen Roger Federer. My name is Tunde Koiki. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back. On Sunday, Roger Federer became the first man to win Wimbledon eight times, surpassing the mark set by Pete Sampras and Williams Renshaw. Federer, who turns 36 next month, also became the oldest male player to win Wimbledon in the Open era and the first to win the tournament without dropping a set since Bjorn Borg achieved that feat 41 years ago. He spoke about his historic performance in a post-tournament interview. This is Sports Planet
1: to welcome a 19 time grand slam champion to our desk congratulations roger once Thank again you. we saw you months ago in australia and you told us the 17 are over here 18 kind of stands alone mm-hmm. what do you do with 19 19 i don't know it just uh, <laughs> it just feels good <laughs> it's like uh, so many records were like were broken here during this uh championships i didn't even know all the the things i i did so now that it's all done uh, it's just a great feeling, you know, um, because this feels totally different to the Australian Open where uh, I, f- I was put the favorite ahead of the tournament, whereas in Australia I was not at all. So how quickly things can change and that I was able to, to bring it home at the end. Uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's crazy moments in my life and I can't believe I am actually have uh, won again. We know you traveled for a couple of months with the Australian Open trophy. It seemed to go everywhere with you. <laughs> is that well, true? So the thing was about the Australian Open Trophy is like we finally get the original size trophy. Oh is that right? Yeah. Because so there's no mini more replicas. So back in the day yeah. you used to get small replicas oh. like this you would look like where is it? You know? <laughs> and you're like I've done all this work to take this thing home I was a bit disappointed to be quite honest like back in the day. And so they gave you the real size? So this year now since a few years they give the original size so when I got took that, home, that, that, that trophy home I was like oh my god like people were like really pumped and very excited to see it. More excited to see the trophy than me. So, so I was like, you know, I'm gonna taking take taking it to the snow. I'm bringing it to show friends. And the Wimbledon trophy, the replica we get now is 75% of the size of the original one. Okay, so, do you have plans oh. for it? Take it uh, around? Maybe we, I should parade it around a little bit. <laughs> no. Did you sense today in the first game, you know, he hit a ball, like bounced it to the net uh, three four hand message you sense he was a bit nervous or did you see something in his movement that that you sense that you could take advantage of early? Funny enough, I still don't know what his problem is because I haven't asked anybody exactly what it was. A blister, okay. So um, I couldn't tell in his movement if he was struggling to his right or his left mm-hmm. and then he was serving volleying. Um, okay, which then makes sense if he was struggling going side to side, why not serving volley because moving forward maybe is easier. I'm not sure. But because I couldn't tell um, it didn't affect me, uh, to be honest, and because I wasn't actually looking over to see what he was doing on the change of ends. Uh, I just thought he was dizzy the first time around when he called the doctor, because that's why you call the doctor, or because of a painkiller. Yeah. Um, but then at 3 Love, when he called the physio as well, and he did the, all of the retape, I just felt like maybe it was just about buying a bit of time to, you know, slow things down a little bit. But I didn't actually, I couldn't, because I couldn't tell, I think my experience helped me through that part. And I heard you also cried at the, cha- yeah. at the change events, which, if I would have seen that, that would have maybe rocked my boat. But because I didn't see it, actually, I, I, I think it helped, actually, I'm yeah, not seeing it. And actually, I was telling myself at uh, 2 Sets 2 Love and 2 All, I was, I'm gonna lose this third set because I've never won Wimbledon winning, not dropping any That's sets right. at all. So I was like, so clearly I'm gonna drop my third, the third set. And so that was my mindset. Not okay, being to negative. Take the pressure off? Maybe to yeah. take the pressure off, but I was just like, for me, I was, as I was missing opportunities, you know, early on to maybe get the crucial break in the third, mm-hmm. uh, I told myself, well, it's normal actually to be, maybe be broken and lose the set. <laughs> and I think that relaxed me too. And uh, I kept, uh, you know, kept with my game plan and actually realized that I was always able to put him into a difficult position and it was good. And, and you know who the last player was to actually go through Wimbledon without dropping a set? Do you know who that is? Oh, uh, wasn't it Bjorn Borg maybe? right. Did you know yeah. the year? Seventy... You're pretty good with this stuff. Seventy-six. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks you help out. <laughs> so, well, speaking of your game, this entire tournament you were never down. Yeah. And tell me how that frees your game up and what are you doing differently now than when you won here the first time? Well, the first time, I mean, those were different times. I was coming in um, into... I was coaching against you. Right. uh, I came into Wimbledon having lost the French Open first round. So I was uh, not planning to win Wimbledon. Uh, What I remember going through uh, between Paris and Wimbledon, do not read any press because people start to really get to me and tell me, like, ooh, this guy's talented, but but no good when it comes to, you know, the crunch time and so I didn't read any press and I went on to win Halle. Andy won Queens. Queens, and then we met in the semis here. And actually, I really uh, blocked my back as well against Lopez on, on the old court too uh, in the warm-up, and I thought, okay, uh, so Wimbledon, that's over, and I kind of won in three sets somehow, and I was able to recover because I was young and and started to feel better as the tournament progressed, and I played Schalken in the quarters, who was also hurt himself, like similar, I think, like the, what Marion had was mm-hmm. blisters. Anyway, uh, long story short, I'm I played a great semis and a great finals, but it's all more a blur because it was all so new for me. So this time around, I just feel like, because I've been there so many times, you know, you go through the same routines, you know what you have to do, what you shouldn't be doing. And because I'm older, I just need more downtime. I just need to relax more. I can't be so active like I used to be. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a long time ago, 14 years ago, I hardly remember a thing. <laughs> it's just amazing, your memory of every match that mm. you have in tournament runs, and um, you often point to the most important match you won here was when you beat Pete Sampras right. and, uh, and one of your fondest memories and now you surpassed Pete Sampras. Yes and that's strange for me because Pete was my hero growing up besides Ed Berg especially. Um, so to see Ed Berg cheering for me from the Royal Box that was cool you know like first I was cheer for him now he's cheering back for me. Same thing was like Rod Lavers. Um, it's unbelievable. And. Uh, the Pete match I didn't understand in the moment itself what a stepping stone or milestone that was in my career and which led me to so many other moments um, because I had no business being Pete that year Um, I was um, ranked top 30 maybe, um, Pete was going for his fifth, and uh, I mean, I got lucky in the fifth uh, somehow, and I played great, I, I did play great, but Pete was not, not playing at his very best, and he, he made some crucial errors that he shouldn't have, and that, which allowed me to stay in the game or go, go ahead in the game, and then margins were so slim that all of a sudden he lost that match, but um, that was truly a, a very important match looking back uh, for the rest of my career, really.
0: That was the legendary Roger Federer speaking about his win at Wimbledon yesterday. Sports Planet will be right back. Stay tuned. Uh, This is Masai Ujiri of the Toronto Raptors. Make sure you all keep listening to Sports Planet. And here is where we drop anchor in today's episode of Sports Planet. You can send me all your sports views, questions and comments on Twitter or just follow me at Babatunde Koiki. And for more sports stories from all across the world, please visit www.completesportsnigeria.com and you can click on the Sports Planet button on the website to listen to this episode or previous episodes of the show from our podcast archives. Before we go, let's tell you that just before an international rugby match in 1972, former Wales rugby team coach Clive Rowlands gave such a fiery, stirring and inspirational speech that his players were so fired up that they were literally ready to die for their country. In fact, one of them smashed a hole through a door with a headbutt and didn't feel a thing. Thankfully, Wales went on to win the match, but they did have to pay to replace the door. On behalf of the production crew here in our studios, my name is Tunde Kweki wishing you all a wonderful evening and guaranteeing you that the planet is listening.